ISB and Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. We're talking NFC North today, Kyle, and it is Bugs Bunny's birthday. Good morning. Bugs Bunny's birthday. What a weird way to start the show. How do you know that? <laughs> Came across my Twitter timeline today, and I said, you know what? That's going in the lead of today's Draft Dudes. Okay. Well, between that and the uh, which animals made for light segment yesterday, I feel like we've adequately checked the boxes for the weirdness required for this show's entertainment value of the week. So that's good. Imagine thinking a dumb segment isn't going to randomly come up in the middle of this show. Always. It's, it's post draft draft dudes, man. You know, can't let, let our hair down a little bit. Have some fun with it. Somebody yes. did follow up on the mating segment and said that beavers are in that category. I oh, can't cool. confirm nor deny that, but a uh, uh, somebody that I trust on Twitter hit me with that. I couldn't. Why are would they you a beaver specialist? That? No, but in my previous lines of work, I I did work with beaver removal people. Jared, no, stop! You don't have beavers in North Carolina. Shut up. We absolutely do, and no, I've had I've not. had many beavers removed from community lakes and ponds because they're the most destructive animals in the world yes very familiar there is one species of beaver in north america and beavers are distributed statewide in north carolina what brother we got beavers i'm telling you i've had them removed jared football nine let me tell you something about jared football nine we got him to change his handle he was jared baseball remember that oh yeah yeah i do (laughs) he's the one that told us the beaver take and uh, I couldn't imagine him lying to me. You know, we talk we talk sports and stuff. He likes the San Jose Sharks, so I, I don't I don't assume he would lie to me about that. You don't change your Twitter handle based on you know us casting a little shade and then lie to us about beavers. I just don't think. Dude, that I didn't, be very between beavers, you guys have like the little lizards or skinks or whatever they are. Yeah, newts or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. The like you had one in your house the other day. Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, no, not if you follow me on Instagram. If I send it to you, you get my, you get the Joe Irwin videos. Do you, do you get gators up there too? On the coast, not in the central, the Piedmont of North Carolina. We don't have gators here. Because if you, it, that would have been like the ultimate mind screw for me, <laughs> to be like, oh my god, they have everything that like is down in like Florida that's supposed to be like hazardous. They just they have it in North Carolina. We don't have like those big no. lizards that fall out of trees. Uh, what are those uh, iguanas? The iguanas. Yeah, we don't have that. Jesus, we better talk about the north of the NFC here. Now you've sent me down a rabbit hole here. North Carolina wildlife. Uh, no, I'm sitting here looking at pictures of gators. All right. On North Carolina golf course. Yeah, they exist, but not in the Piedmont. That's where I. And live. now all and now all the related images is uh, gators eating boa constrictors and boa constrictors strangling gators <laughs> you're in a hole now kyle we gotta oh get you God. out of here. i gotta, gotta leave i gotta leave all right let's yeah. go we gotta talk about the north. <laughs> and the bears guess what we have bears in the mountains of north carolina black bears up there so that's true that's true they got their tight we, end we have those up this way too they finally got a plug and play tight end it was what it was. Adam Shaheen is a small school guy who mm-hmm. was billed as a height, weight, speed guy. A um, little too raw, a little too unexplosive, really struggled. Then 
Um, Trey Burton. They signed Trey Burton, but Burton's too much of like a, a niche H-back type, so he's not a full-time tight end either. And then they signed friggin' Jimmy Graham this offseason before sure drafting Cole Komet. Yeah. 12 but they got Cole Komet at 43. Well, 12 first. Here's the thing about J- Jimmy's done. Jimmy's done. I don't know why they signed Jimmy. They ain't paying like he's done. Right. That's what I, I, I don't get it. But <laughs> imagine paying Jimmy what you paid Jimmy and then drafting with your number one pick a tight end. The only thing I can think of is 12 personnel. They've got two, four, six, eight. They have nine tight ends in their roster. That's way too many. Nine. Like, like who are we kidding right now? You're, that's that's way, You need to have like five going into camp. Not nine. Six, maybe. Yeah. Nine. But they got the tight end. I, I guess this was something that they absolutely felt like they needed to have. Um, and Cole Komet, I mean, is arguably the best tight end in the class. Um, I think he certainly looks the part. He blocks well. I think he's got good ball skills. He's a little tight, so I'm not sure how dynamic of a separator he will be. But I think there's some upward uh, trajectory here with the guy that um, I think he had a baseball background. So he's he's mm-hmm. still he's still running the game and um, yep. gives him a reasonable chance. I think 43 overall was high, but feels like there's this tight end every year that goes way higher than we think, whether that's uh, uh, the kid from what Drew Sample went really high. Uh, Gerald Everett went higher than we thought. And, and this year, I guess it's Cole Komet. Well, especially with the scarcity of the tight end class in general, right? It's like if you wanted plug and play tight ends, you had maybe three of them. <laughs> and yeah, maybe uh, Chicago. I'm trying to figure out who they were afraid of plucking him between 43 and 50 because <laughs> Jalen Johnson was a player that I mean they needed a corner big time but they said no we got to get this tight end first right so yeah. it was Cleveland Tampa Bay Denver Atlanta Seattle Pittsburgh were the the teams in between maybe Atlanta maybe Atlanta and maybe Pittsburgh yeah oh well you miss out on Cole Komet move on with your life but not them. Man, I, no, it's a, it's unrelated topic. We got to stay on topic here. But I mean, come really, back, I mean, come, come back for the NFC West discussion because I have some thoughts. Jalen Johnson. I mean, they had their double dip in the second round after not having a first rounder. And I think yeah. Jalen Johnson, when you're scheduled to start Artie Burns opposite of Kyle Fuller, you better get yourself a corner that can play. And uh, Jalen Johnson, I think, you know, look, I, I, I think he's, a little bit of a scheme specific guy, but he's physical and press. I think he could play zone. He can cue the ball. He'll be physical. And um, it, I mean, it seems like with Fuller and Johnson that they do want to get guys up in the, in the face of receivers and jam them. And, and look, that's a good player to do that. If everything checks out with his shoulder, of course. Yeah. So he was, this was a, a little rich for me, but as you said, it's as a scheme specific guy, knowing that they lost Prince of Mukamara. Yeah. This year, this made a lot of sense. This was a logical landing spot for him, so I feel good about that. Uh, Joe, as far as the rest of this class, they had a 105-pick drought after two picks in the top 50 at 43 and 50. They next picked at 155. They went 155, 163, 173, 226, and 227. And they got Travis Gibson, the edge from Tulsa, Kendall Vildor from Georgia Southern, Darnell Mooney, wide receiver from Tulane, Arlington Hambright, interior offensive lineman from Colorado, and Lachavia Simmons, another interior offensive lineman from Tennessee State. I think these middle two picks of Kendall Vildor and Darnell Mooney were their best picks the rest of the way. And, like, oh, not even close. Yeah, yeah, not even close. sure. 
for sure. And they lost. Who was that little receiver that they had? Whose name is completely escaping me? Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel. Yes. Yeah. Well, they've recaptured a lot of that in Darnell Mooney, and I think they needed to have that type of player. And then Kendall Vilder could be a starting slot in the league. So, yeah, I think you give him some time to develop. You could get pretty excited about what he brings to the table. And just Chicago, don't watch nineteen. Don't watch nineteen. Watch eighteen when it comes to Vilder tape. Correct. Yeah, because he got put through the ringer. And they they played some really good wide receivers. Yeah, LSU and Minnesota were on the schedule last year. So, but Joe, you you think about this Bears team, and they were eight and eight last year. Mitch Trubisky was hurt. Did not play especially well. Played through a shoulder injury. They seem like they got away from some of the stuff that he did well as far as moving him outside the pocket and so on and so forth. But this is a team that finished 8-8, eight and eight, and they lost week one by seven uh, in which Trubisky threw the terrible pick in the red zone in the final minute of the game that could have tied the game. They lost to the Raiders by three. They lost to the Chargers by one. They lost to the Packers again in another one-score game. That's four-game swing. Yeah. If just a couple things go differently, if you don't turn the ball over three times against Green Bay the second time you play, if you don't shoot yourselves in the foot, they held the Chargers to 36 rushing yards and 231 total yards offense, couldn't score more than 16 points and lost by a point. They had 15 first downs against the L.A. Raiders in September or in, in the first week of October and lost by three points. Like some very easily avoidable situations that could have put this team, you know, for all of the regression that they had back in playoff contention. Do you feel like this draft class will help them get there? I think if you look at this draft class, you can say, you know, no first round pick, but they probably got at least a good backup, maybe a starting tight end. They got a starting corner in Johnson. They got perhaps a starting Nick in, in Vildor, and they've got an X-Factor receiver in Mooney. Is that going to be the difference? Or is it just – it's all about Mitch, right? It's all about or, Mitch. Or Foles winds up taking that job. It's all about the quarterback. Conference. They got a little help. I mean, I don't think this is the difference between playoffs or not based on this draft, but I think with no first-round pick, if you can honestly say they got the four things I just said out of these picks, that's decent, right? Well, yeah, and I would say this, uh, Ryan Pace, for all the, the flack that he catches, you know, they, they swung and they picked the wrong quarterback early. Yeah. But the rest of this roster rebuild is going pretty well. This is a pretty strong roster, top to bottom. Exactly. They just need to maximize their quarterback. Trade for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there you go. How about these Lions? Yeah, Don't Detroit. Ha- Real quick. Hey, no, yeah, Lions in, no Lions in North Carolina. No, no lines in North Carolina. What about the zoo? You got a zoo in you, you North got, Carolina? We got a couple of zoos. Yeah, you can catch them there. Okay, great. So there are lines in North Carolina. Come on. There's penguins in North Carolina too then. Great. That's good <laughs> to know. Elephants? Uh, yes. Detroit Lions could not get the trade back from three. You know, nope. they tried so desperately for so long. They do deserve a trophy for how hard they tried. <laughs> to get somebody to trade up to three <laughs> and the rest of the league said, no, we're good. Like you can go ahead and pick the guy. We know you're going to pick. You can pick up to three. Like if nothing <laughs> changes, you're going to pick the same guy no matter what. So you just go ahead and take it. We're not going to pay you for it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Akut at three, 
little bit of a surprise in my opinion with DeAndre Swift at 35. Yeah. Then they went Jonah Jackson at 60 or Julian Acquire at 67 and then traded up for uh, Jonah Jackson. They gave up 85, 149, and 182 to go up to 75 to go get Jonah Jackson. Drafted Logan Stenberg, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin, Jason Huntley, running back New Mexico State, uh, John Penasini from Utah at 197, and then Deshaun Cornell. So very... Detroit, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia for how many defensive linemen they pulled, right? Like Penasini, Cornell, uh, Aquara. And then the guards were very much Detroit Lions style guards and Jonah Jackson and, and Logan Stenberg as well for what they could bring at the point of attack. But the double dip at running back was the biggest surprise for me, Joe. For sure. I mean, Kerryon Johnson, we, we know the injury problems have, have persisted, but he's a good player. Bo Scarborough showed some things last year as a backup. Uh, you know, we're talking about what number 35 overall with Swift. So, I mean, that this is that's a pretty significant pick in a back when you feel like, you know, you need to find those ingredients here to prove to ownership that you can win because this has not gone well under Patricia and, and Quinn. And I think that was interesting to me. Not, not, not that Swift is a bad player, not that he's not worth pick 35, but is that the type of impact that you felt you had to have to get your team to the point where? you know, you're going to prove to ownership that you can win. Obviously, Akut is a slam dunk pick, right? It's just kind of like we talked about with Chase Young the other day. Good job. You made the right pick. He's an elite cornerback prospect. Now, what'd you do after that? And Swift, to me, is a, is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, except for the fact that he is a good football player. Well, this is the um, this is the Matt Stafford insurance policy, right? That's what that comes across as to me. Well, yeah, leaning on the the run game. If if I mean Stafford's had some injuries now in the last couple of years, right? So it's like, well, if we get hurt again, we're not going to be boned because we <laughs> have to have uh, some UDFA quarterback trying to throw the ball thirty five times a game. We're going to turn to a run game that's got Big V that we spent a bunch of money and brought in, and Taylor Decker and uh, Frank Ragnow. Frank Ragnow, and they let Graham Glasgow go, and now you can replace him with Jonah Jackson. Right. So like they got bullies up front. It's another bully ball team and that's good. Yeah. But like that's I think this was an effort to try and make their offense a little bit more well-rounded instead of wow, we got these really good receivers and Marvin Jones and and Kenny Galladay and Matt Stafford, but Matt Stafford gets hurt and it's like, well, okay, now we're going to get 12 first downs a game and average <laughs> 190 yards of offense. Like yeah. that's that's what this draft struck me as for Detroit. So a very deliberate effort in your mind to make sure there's a power run game element that exists to go with what could be a very potent passing game. Yeah. And hope that Patricia figures things out on defense with his rocket scientist career. Yeah. And you can't marry your running game to carry on Johnson, unfortunately at this point no. either. No, because of the lack of durability. He's, he's a physical runner who, is going to take hits because of his running style. And if that breaks his body down, you're boned. If you get to your third string running back and he's getting the primary carries. So like this was just, this is an evolution of this offense. I think that stands out and it's interesting, right? Because it's like, we talked about the Patriots yesterday and that's the brand of football. They have to play. Well, Detroit is bracing themselves for worst case scenario by doing the same thing and pulled a lot of the same players that I think would have made sense for the Patriots if, you know, they, they didn't franchise tag Joe Thune. 
Did you see Carrion Johnson's comments about himself in Madden? No. Oh, dude, it's so good. Uh, so he was commenting on his own rating uh, in Madden for like his ability to break a tackle. He says, man, I ain't broken a tackle since high school. <laughs> like literally just <laughs> dogged on himself, That's uh, funny. which is really surprising. I wouldn't expect that. But yeah, I mean, look, if uh, those backs can be healthy, they can really eat away at you with, with these guys. So I like the two interior offensive linemen. Stenberg, I mean, he, think about him just as like a utility offensive lineman. If he doesn't start, you know, if he, but he's just a nasty dude that wants to put people on their back. Quintez Cephas is a pick I like a lot, Kyle. I mean, he was yeah. kind of my day three receiver, I think forgotten a bit uh, based on what happened with his legal matters going into the season that were all dismissed. He's a nuanced football player. He's physical. He's dominant at the catch point. I think he runs good routes. I mean, he's not a burner. He's not explosive. But, I mean, as a possession-type receiver in the intermediate areas of the field, I mean, I think Cephas is going to find some success. Uh, this team, very much a Big Ten draft. Oh, right. Even the guys that they didn't pick from the Big Ten, yeah. like Panasini and Logan Stenberg, like yeah. they're Big Ten dudes. And Notre Dame just isn't the Big Ten, right? Yeah. The Green Bay Packers. Man, this, took a, this draft class caught some heat. Yeah, it deserved it. Go ahead. I, I the, the We got to talk about Jordan Love, right? The dynamics so here. Yeah, let's start there. I think that's this is the defining pick of the class, no matter what else they got the rest of the way. Yeah, so I think my initial thoughts with it was, my God, like you were 13-3 and three last year. Aaron Rodgers is 35. Quarterbacks are playing into their 40s. What are we doing here? Now, you wrote a good article for the Draft Network this week that had a good point. I think the most compelling point that I found so far in this aftermath and the reaction to this pick is that so much of what goes into quarterbacks reaching their ceiling in the NFL comes down to what's around them. And Green Bay is stable. And you don't know when you're going to have a chance to draft a quarterback with the types of traits that Jordan Love has. And so why not go ahead and do it now? And if Aaron Rodgers is pissed off and, and all those types of things, whatever, like he was in this exact same situation. Brett Favre famously said, like, um, well, it's not in my contract that I have to develop and mentor Aaron Rodgers. I hope he can get something out of watching me. So I think the fact that Rodgers was in this exact position, but also like stripping yourself of that, but realizing that our opportunity to get a young quarterback that can, you know, be the next guy for the next 10 or 15 years. We don't know when that's going to come. We believe in Jordan love. We like the opportunity for him to, to sit for a little bit here and make sure that we don't ever have that transition, that quarterback that so many teams go through and never get out of. So it made it a home run for me. No, it's it's it was the argument, same argument that we gave when people were asking me as a Dolphins guy, what do you think about the Dolphins passing on taking quarterback at all overall in 2021 and coming back or in 2020 and coming back in 2021 and trying to get one of the top two guys? It's like, well, your team trajectory is going to place you in a position that if you are building a competitor, if you're building to try and win a championship – you don't get opportunities to draft guys with those kinds of tools. That's not supposed to happen. 
Now, Joe, let me ask you this. If Jordan Love had his 2018 season in 2019, how early does he come off the board? That's tough to say, man. Would it have been earlier than 26? I think he got drafted in the range I thought he would. If he had his 2018 season in 2019 and people weren't worried about the regression, he absolutely would have gone earlier than he went, in my opinion. Well, would you mean like the teens like or top 10? Where are you going with that? He'd have been a top 15 pick. That's interesting to me. I mean, think about it. As far as his statistical regression in 2018, he completed 64% of his passes for 3,600 yards, 32 touchdowns, and six interceptions, 8.6 yards per attempt. In the same amount of games, he lost two per, uh, two percentage points off his completion percentage. He lost 150 passing yards. His yards per attempt went down by a yard and a half. He threw 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. He went from plus 26 in the touchdown-interception ratio to plus 3. I kind of Gross I, regression. Yeah, but I, I, he lost a lot. And I, I think right. I'm a – so that's to me. I, I feel the same about Jordan Love as after 2018 as I did after 2019. You don't think recency bias was here for these teams? Probably, yes. But I guess for me, I didn't think of them differently. So Green Bay, being a team that was 13-3, and three, saw an opportunity to draft a quarterback that if you take his physical tools and what he's physically capable of, he is one of the more physically gifted passers. Now, not – as far as like consistency with execution and football acumen and, and all those kinds of things, that's not there yet. But the physical tools, what he can do off script, off platform, sidearmed, adjusting his arm slot, making plays happen outside the pocket, extending plays and thriving in that scenario. You don't get that package at 26. You don't get that package in the outside the top 15 most years. It's why you saw a team trade up and go get Patrick Mahomes. It's why you see trade up and go get Deshaun Watson. As soon as they got to the bottom of the top 10, we said, holy cow, this is unbelievable. We can't hold our water anymore. We have to go get them. And those teams that are playoff teams that have the opportunity to afford a player like a Jordan Love, like a Patrick Mahomes, the opportunity to ingest the pro game before they're put into it, like the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was 36 and they drafted Rodgers at 22 and sat him for three years. The same exact play from the same exact playbook is how the Packers are going to handle Rodgers because his cap and his dead cap makes him impossible to move for two-plus seasons. So Love is going to sit. It's the same dynamic, and Rodgers is the same age as what Favre was when they did it last time. You and I both agree that Love is better off script than Herbert. No question. I, I don't think it's close. No, it's not. So if you feel like you can teach the structure piece, but they have the innate piece of it that you can't teach because it's the comfort and chaos, that's a super high ceiling quarterback. It's interesting that you feel like this was a player, like a Watson Mahomes type thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to take this to a weird place, but like you think coming out of 18 – 
this is something where you could see a team give up like their first round pick the next year to move out of the twenties into the, like the early teens top 10 range to go get this quarterback. Yeah. And I think if you look at the way as if love would have came out after in 19, what QB off the board would he have been? He probably goes higher than Herbert. The, the, or, or the Chargers just take him instead of Herbert. Well, I'm not focused on this year's draft because this year's draft, like if you put him in the 2019 class, if hypothetically he was a junior after 2018 season into the 2019 draft. Oh, okay. Was that was Kyler. Cool. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins. Daniel Jones, maybe not Daniel Jones because of the whole Gettleman thing and Gettleman's got his guys that he loves no matter what. But like my point is you've seen so many teams across the league in the last three or four years that have invested in first round quarterbacks. This market's kind of in a weird place, right? Like you have a couple of teams that are clinging to like the old guard and the here and now, and then you've got like literally half the league has a a first round quarterback that's 25 or younger. It's half the league. Sit here and count them up. So it's like at some point it becomes a numbers game where if Jordan Love would have came out a year earlier before other teams were invested in quarterbacks, plus the teams that invested in quarterbacks this year, yes, I do think there would have been a hotter demand. There would have been less recency bias and concern about, oh, the turnovers, oh, uh, his completion percentage, oh, he didn't play as well. I absolutely think Jordan Love would have been a top 15 pick and a team somebody would have traded up for and not waited for if it was different dynamics across the league because of what the supply and demand of young potential franchise quarterbacks is now, which is, again, why you saw no one jump up to trade with Detroit to go draft Tua. Because so many teams in the bottom bucket of the league have made that investment already. Is that our expectation? Aaron Rodgers is just going to play until the Packers say that's enough. Rodgers, I think Rodgers will be there three more years. Really? They can't move. Have you seen his cap, his draft numbers, or his his salary numbers? He just signed this big extension. All right, so can you start factoring that into this, though? Well, I guess it doesn't matter. Quarterback is the most important thing. I just didn't feel like you, I didn't feel like the the Packers weren't in an opportunity to win with Rodgers where giving him some more help on offense couldn't be their recipe to make a run. But you've got a 40-year-old co- uh, head coach and a 47-year-old general manager. They're in it for the long haul. And this is not a team that endures a bunch of coaching changes and front office change. Like it's been Ted Thompson for forever. Well, yeah, Holmgren and, and wasn't around when when Aaron Rodgers was was picked. He right, wasn't part of the organization. Right, but this is the this is the luxury of being an organization like a Pittsburgh Steelers or Green Bay Packers that doesn't churn through head coaches and general managers like toilet paper when you're wiping your ass. These guys have stability; they have long term picture, and these guys that they have now are young. So it says, yeah, we got a 36-year-old quarterback who we're committed to for the next two years. If we build up and stack up around him and we continue to shoot for championships, who knows when the next chance to get this guy is. It's the here and now. It's right here for us now. We make the investment now. We feel like we have a fairly complete roster. 
Rodgers, you can get out of Rodgers' deal after the 2021 season, so in two years, and you'd be hit with $17 million in dead cap. If you wait till after 2022, it's $2.8 million in dead cap. So this is the utopia part. This is where, like, uh, if I you tell me, all right, I got Aaron Rodgers for the next two to three years, and then the baton's handed over to Jordan Love, and it's this beautiful thing that happens, I'm in. But if but, I guess you, what you're saying is that if Aaron Rodgers tries to force your hand, that the salary situation is so restrictive that it's like, okay, dude, we will just you could just stay home and we'll find you. Right, because what? You, who's going to trade? You know, he's got twenty five million dollar salary with roster bonuses in there and workout bonuses in there, so it's it's not like he's he's almost impossible for Green Bay to trade because. He's got three more years of eleven and a half million dollars of signing bonus that's prorated out over yeah. the next three years, and that's eleven and a half per year. I guess if, if I'm Green Bay, I'm trade him, if you tried to trade him, net, trade him now, you'd get hit with fifty one million in dead cap. Well, here's you the can't thing. trade him. You can't. But here's the thing: is you're paying him no matter what, right? So you so, might as well pay him to be on your team. And if Jordan well, and it, and if he wants to be that big of a baby because they drafted a quarterback, are you a competitor or are you not? And if you're going to sit there and cry because we drafted a quarterback, quit sucking on your thumb, put your helmet on, go out there, show them why you're Aaron freaking Rodgers, and let's go win a championship and stop complaining. In Aaron Rodgers' defense, he's done none of these things, right? So we're all we're all. Okay. But, but, that was the, that, but that was the assumption when they made the pick. Right. Because it's like, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw a fit. But if that if that assumption is the reaction that Aaron has, that would be, if I was Green Bay coaching staff and management, that would be what I would tell him. But we'd say, let's be real, Aaron, you're 36 years old. We have a long term. We we are just starting our coaching and general manager careers. You are at the end of your playing career. This was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Shall we continue? Yeah, we should. I like to pick a Josiah DeGuara at ninety four. I don't like the rest of these picks. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see any value at all after their picks outside the top one hundred. Kamal I mean, Martin, John Runyon, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepanek, Vernon Scott. I, I think Dylan will be a, a niche back, power back. DeGuara, I like as a tight end. You can do some creative things with, use him as an H-back type player. Um, but I think there's a good chance. They drafted him to be a fullback. Uh, yeah, and that's what he's listed. Our lads has him listed as a fullback. That's weird. Which I guess his build is more friendly for fullback, but like if he's going to be a fullback, he's got to be like Chris Cooley. Like that's yeah. how you got to use So an it. H-back, yeah. yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. That, that, there's value there. But yeah, I, I think that they just, beyond pick 94, I think this is a, a throwaway draft. Except for John Garvin. Whoa, they got him at 242. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even see him down there. What a pick. Now we're talking. This is that I like John Garvin. 20 years old. He turns 21 on July 28th. He's got all the stuff, man. Flexibility, length, power. He's just got to put it all together. 
play a little quicker. Man, imagine him learning behind Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Friggin' dream situation. Why'd he that, slide this far? Who knows? But that's know, we, the redeeming we, pick. I, I had him at like, I think 200 on my board or something like that. So you like, did. Oh, I had him much higher. Well, he's you ready raw. For, he's really ready for raw. This? I had John Garvin 94 on my board. Wow. I'm so not mad about it. We need that either. Battle of the Boards 3.0, the aftermath. I am not mad about it. I feel comfortable in the skill set I saw from John Garvin. Steel. Big developmental upside there. No question. Yeah. My but, apologies for missing him to begin with. Didn't but see those, him right here on the list. Those previous five picks, <laughs> I'm not sure there's a lot of value there at all. Now, Joe, God bless us. <laughs> Vikings made 15 picks. <laughs> They needed to. <laughs> you ready? I'm going to rip through them all. I'm going to tell right. tell everybody who they got, and then we'll we'll give some reactions here. Uh, wide receiver Justin Jefferson, LSU at 22. 31 was cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU in a trade back. Uh, offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland, Boise State at 58. 89 cornerback Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State. 117 edge DJ Wanham, South Carolina. Uh, 130 IDL James Lynch Baylor refused to call him an edge 132 linebacker Troy Dye Oregon 169 cornerback Harrison Hand Temple 176 wide receiver KJ Osborne Miami 203 offensive tackle Jake Brandle uh, Oregon State 205 safety Josh Metellus Michigan 225 edge Kenny Willickis Michigan State 220 or 244 quarterback Nate Stanley Iowa 249 safety, Brian Cole, Mississippi State. 253 interior offensive lineman, Kyle Hinton, Washburn. Fascinated to see how many of these 15 picks are rostered. Right from a playoff team, from a playoff caliber team. They lost so much, though. You know, they they needed a a big draft. Um, I think they got a couple. I mean, we knew they needed a receiver and corner, and that's what they did with their first two picks in the first round. And Justin Jefferson route running, catch point ability, yards after catch. Um, we'll see if he can play more outside because that was kind of the question. He didn't really do that much at LSU. He's an inside guy. Um, but, you know, He's they lost. have to now. Yeah. Well, they they traded Stefan Diggs, and and so they the reality with that trade is they had to get his replacement. Now, they got some other picks in addition that, you know, hopefully they can hit on and, you know, turn that into more. But they had to draft Diggs' replacement. And then Gladney was always a, a good idea for Mike Zimmer, I think, he was a very popular player that I mocked to them all year long, um, physical guy. And, um, you know, they Xavier Rhodes isn't around anymore, and they're counting on, like, Mike Hughes to be healthy uh, for one of their corner spots. And then the Holton Hills and the Chris Boyds of the world, very much wild card. So they needed to get a corner, and, and I think they got a couple guys here that fit with those top two picks. Yeah, I think between Hill, uh, who was really good when he was on the field, Gladney, and – you add in uh, Cam Dantzler and if yeah. Mike Hughes is able to stay healthy, like there's enough young blood here. I even really like Harrison Hand. Yes. Um, Fifth I round, too. Yeah, he'll have a chance to play. I think corner makes sense here with how good of a tackler he is. And, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting some look at safety. I know they went out, they got uh, Metellus and Brian Cole in day three as well. But like sixth and seventh round picks aren't going to be preventing me from trying Harrison Hand if I feel like he can give me more valuable uh, reps as a potential safety with his ball skills and zone coverage and tackling skills. Uh, give him a little bit of a look there. Uh, but yeah, I think Ezra Cleveland, long-term replacement for Riley Reef. You got 
probably the most athletic duo of offensive tackles yeah. in the league between Cleveland and, and Brian O'Neill now. Uh, Elf line, Bradbury, Drew Samia uh, with the rest of the offensive line. It's a perfect fit as far as the zone rushing offense that Minnesota is going to put into play with Dalvin Cook. Uh, I like Justin Jefferson with uh, his attitude and his ability to go over the middle. Um, I, I think that will play well with Kirk Cousins and obviously the two tight end sets that they're capable of with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. And if you want to roll Jack Con- or Tyler Conklin in there is uh, maybe the long term tight end two with Irv Smith getting elevated once Kyle Rudolph's out of the building. I think there's a lot of boxes that they checked here. Uh, I don't know how high the ceiling is when you consider what they did lose. Uh, they didn't really get a, a strong replacement uh, for the defensive end spot opposite Daniel Hunter. I know they signed Michael Pearson free agency, which I'm smitten by for them. But that also makes me wonder what the heck they drafted James Lynch in round four for when you <laughs> consider the interior defensive line is like Michael Pierce, Shamar Steven, Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, Armand Watts, and Hercules Mata'afa. Yeah, it's an uphill battle for Lynch in that group, in my opinion. Yeah, that's um, steep. Yeah, I didn't take him that high where, you know. It wasn't egregious, but I'm just looking at, I'm looking at the two deep right now. I'm like, man, like. Yeah, there's not a spot. Lynch is down here, and he's he's going to have a hard time getting a an impact yeah. role. Especially because I think Jalen Holmes is a better version of that player. In my right. view, he's, he's got actually got the the, <laughs> the physical traits to thrive, and even Armand Watts. Yeah. Like Watts was a sixth round pick last year. Interesting. I thought player. he he's a really interesting potential like three technique. It's interesting with Riley Reef, right? They took Ezra Cleveland, which is an indicator that you know this is going to be the future at left tackle. Reef has two more years left on his deal um, and they could cut him at any point and they'd save, save a fair amount of money this year. They would save uh, well, his cap hits 13.2. They would have 4.4 in dead cap. So they, they'd come out pretty good there. Uh, and then next nine, year, almost nine mil 13, nine is his cap hit and a 2.2 dead cap hit after 2021. So maybe it's, and look, that's smart of them because Cleveland, ideally you give him some time in the weight room, right. To, to get a little stronger and then take over in that spot, but not, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're not comfortable with who's playing left tackle for you. Um, hopefully Drew Samia can be the answer at right guard for them because this interior, I, I mean, of Elfline, Bradbury, and Samia, they've all got to get a little better. But like you feel like those are all starters. They just have to perform better. Can we can we appreciate Kirk Cousins' restructure real quick before we sign off here? Let's appreciate it. Have you looked at this? No. So he signed a three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed contract on in 2018, right? So 2018, 2019, 2020. This was the last year of his deal. They restructured his um, – the last year of his deal into a two-year, $66 million contract extension uh, to buy themselves a little bit of cap space, right? Mm-hmm. So his cap hit this year is $21 million. Mm-hmm. His cap hit next year is $31 million. And his mm-hmm. cap hit in 2022 is $45 million. <laughs> well, that, now, the thing about- they, they can cut him ahead of 2022 and have $10 million in dead cap. So he's got a $35 million base salary in 2022 right now. They, I mean, if it's not working out, they should cut him in 2022. He'll be gone. They ain't, ain't no way they're paying Kirk Cousins 
$45 million dead cap with between $10 million prorated signing bonus and a $35 million base salary. But he's your starter the next two years, for sure. Yes. Because you, you can't get rid of him next year. You're on the hook for uh, $41 million in dead cap if you're trying to get rid of him. So if you cut him ahead of next year, you pay him $10 million more than what he's already on the hook for. Got some interesting quarterback situations contract wise in this division, right? With Stafford's, yeah. Rodgers, uh, Kirk, <laughs> and even Mitch. Like they need to figure out if they're going to use the the player option or not, or the fifth year option or not. Well, and they they it, the seventeen first round picks are still under the old rules. So it becomes more of a calculated choice moving forward because it's not the same thresholds for pay and it's it has more guarantees to it. So I think you'll see more select teams being more selective next year when it's applicable to 2018 first round picks. But they seem to suggest that Chicago is not going to use the the early reports seem to indicate Chicago is not going to exercise the option. I think that's smart. Why would you? In case he blows up. Oh, yeah. It's only guaranteed for injury, too. So, yeah, I would pick it up. I would. So that's something to watch. Because I wouldn't commit to him. No matter what he does this year, I'm not giving him a long-term deal. Right. Well, ample storylines to watch in this division should be one of the more competitive divisions in football. It was one of the more competitive divisions in football this past year. Plenty of talent in flux. Thanks in large part to the Minnesota Vikings and their 10 million draft selections this past year. So (laughs) uh, we hope you guys enjoyed a tomorrow. Friday is AFC North uh, recap. So we'll talk about Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens, who as always crushed the 2020 NFL draft. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, If we already hit your team, make sure you stay around, get to know the teams that are on your schedule for this year. If we haven't done your team yet, stick around, make sure we hear you hear what we have to say about your team and also learn about the teams that are on your schedule for the upcoming year. So I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the draft podcast.